0: We've been uh, asking, what is, what is, what is this? What is that? And what we've been trying to do is focus on those things around us that we kind of, as Christians, take for granted and we don't really think about it or think about these things, but they're extremely important to us as believers in Jesus Christ. Many of them are kind of... Wrapped in custom and protocol and rules and, uh, observations. But what we're trying to do these weeks in the summer is to try to strip off some of the customs and get to the real core of what is church? What is baptism? What is whatever? But this morning, particularly, this is a very, I I thought it was, man, I can just knock this one off just right now, very easily, without even taking any notes and just put it out there. Boy, was I surprised. I was really shocked. I thought I understood, I thought you understood what prayer is and what what it's about. But as I delved into it, I was getting in over my head with what it is. You know, we take prayer just to be something like, well, it's just something you, a filler that you put into a program. It's something that gets a bad rap when you're hungry and starving. And your dad prays long prayers and the food is getting cold and the butter's melting. Prayer is 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 such an anomaly, really. It really is. I mean, if unbelievers hear us praying, they're probably thinking, Who in the world are they talking to? And with their eyes closed, and with a smile on their face. Well, we all have situations where we say, I'll pray for you. In fact, in Japan, quite often, I'm shocked. Japanese, who don't even know Jesus, say, would you pray for me? Or, I'll pray for you. Have you ever heard that here in Japan? It's quite, quite common. Really? And so you would think, everybody knows what prayer is about. Why is he even spending the time in this next hour and a half? I mean, they're laughing because they know it's true. Anyway, we're going to talk about prayer today. What is prayer? Who do I think I am that I can contribute anything of insight or discovery about prayer in our time here this morning. I debated not just with myself this week, but also with my wife, my dear wife and colleague about this message more than all of the other previous messages I put together in these last two years. It's been one of the most difficult messages I have attempted Probably because prayer is something you discover in relationship with God the Father rather than out of a book or in a classroom or in, even in a church service. It's like learning how to ride the bicycle from a book. A book. How many of you learned, you, you, you bought a book, it was called How to Ride a Bicycle. Did anybody see that bestseller? Not a person. How many of you ride bikes? And not one of you read the book? I'm going to write a book. How to ride a bicycle. It's probably going to be just as hard to describe as this message is. But one of Jesus' disciples requested Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. And so we have, in our legacy as Christians, in our treasure trove, we have prayers. And we have prayers from this saint and from this apostle and from this person. And we look at them and we try to analyze and understand what they are. And even Jesus' disciples said, just as John the Baptist taught, his disciples to pray. How many of you read John the Baptist's prayer? Oh, it must have been like the bicycle book. I don't think he wrote a book on prayer. So what is prayer? Well, I think all of you will recognize this prayer. Matthew 6. Jesus' reply then was, well, pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven. Luke also recorded this, as did Matthew. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins and lead us not to temptation. How many of you have heard that prayer before? About as many as have ridden a bicycle without reading the book. But this is the famous, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Well, really, it's it's not the Lord's Prayer. If you want to find out the Lord's Prayer, I challenge you to read the real Lord's Prayer. Would you do that this week? After you listen to the sermon, go home and read the real Lord's Prayer. It's found in John 17. The night Jesus was betrayed. The night before he laid down his life for us. An incredible prayer. Incredible understanding of what our greatest, as human beings, our greatest need is. In him. And why he is doing it. And how he is doing it. Read John 17 this week. And I think you'll embrace it yourself as the Lord's Prayer. But I'm not trying to avoid this prayer here, which was a prayer that Jesus gave after he came down from the mountain. I believe that this prayer was never meant to be memorized or recited. But we've heard it, if we've been attending church for very long, we've heard it many times. I'm sure. And so why do I say it shouldn't be memorized or recited? Because Sometimes when we are talking with our friends that we really are familiar with and talking, and I find that this is more so now that I'm older, is I say something to Katie and she says, what in the world are you talking about? Because just talking with her has just been familiar. And I I thought, well, listen, you've been living with me for 55 years. You should understand what is in here without me really saying what I'm thinking about. Now, that's not as obtuse as what the Lord's Prayer is, but I think we need to go back and look at this prayer that Jesus gave, not as a prayer necessarily to memorize and crank out in particular situations, but it was a model. It was an understanding of what are the principles behind a prayer that a holy God would receive. And so that we, in our lives, know how then to be more flexible. It's like when you first learned to ride your bicycle. And what's the first thing that, well, I don't know whether girls do this, but guys will do this. Look, mom, no hands. (laughs) Dave was laughing because I know that he did that to his mom. (laughs) He fell into a cactus. Whoa. Well, see, that proves it. You might say, well, Ron, wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. You're saying that we shouldn't have set prayers in church. No, that is not what I'm saying. And you'll say, well, yeah, we understand. You use a, a prayer, a set prayer, not the Lord's Prayer, but a set prayer almost every Sunday. When we close the doxology, the blessing, benediction. the benediction. Yeah, it's one of those words. At the to end the service. And I'll just come back at you saying, Hey, don't you touch that prayer. That is a very important prayer. Because God said to Moses, This is the way you shall bless my people Israel. And you instruct Aaron to pray that prayer over Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That prayer is a commanded prayer. This is the way you shall bless my people. So I think that that's really the only instruction we have, that we should pray that way. And I would encourage you as priests in your family, as priests in your community, to learn that prayer that God gave to Moses and to Aaron. It is a good prayer. We need to bless one another, especially in this day and age. Okay, we're getting in deeper here. Katie and I are taking a chance. If you want to fire us after this revelation, uh, we have lived with the Lord's Prayer being said for many years. Katie, longer than me, because she's been part of the church longer than I have. But I remember thinking, we're just saying this. We're just does it really have meaning this prayer the lord's prayer and particularly as we thought about it theologically we decided that this prayer needed some modifications to the reality of what jesus has taught us goes again pray then in this way our father in heaven holy is your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then you'll notice the asterisk, and or you give us this day our daily bread. And you forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And you do not lead us into temptation, but you deliver us from evil. Now, I don't know whether the church fathers are rolling over in their graves. No, they're not, because they're not in their graves. They're with Jesus right now. But maybe they're having a conference there saying, okay, what do you think about your servant, Ron, teaching these people this? I hope that it causes a lot of stir in the church. I hope we'll talk about this, we'll think about this, we'll discuss it, at our tables, in in our family, with our friends. Do we have to beg the Father? Do we have to beg for our meals? Well, not in rich, wealthy Japan. Where do we get this from? Where does our daily living come from? It comes from Him. In fact, just before Jesus taught this prayer, He said... Your father already knows what you need. He knows what you are in need of. But he taught it, apparently, this way. But we think that there might be, and I'm not a Greek scholar, and I lean on Makiko pretty hard, but she's not even a Greek scholar. Where is the implied you? Where is the implied pronoun there? give us this day our daily bread. What is theologically unstable about saying, you give us this day our daily bread and you forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then get this one. And you do not lead us into temptation, but you deliver us from evil. James says, God does not tempt anyone. God does not tempt. And so if you say, do not lead us into temptation, God does not lead you into temptation. The only one that was led was Jesus himself, led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. God does not lead us into temptation. We are led into temptation by our own hearts and our desires. And the enemy, the tempter, is the one that leads us into that. But Jesus, for the sake of all humanity, walked the path of those who did not know the redemptive love of the Father. And so he brought his Son through every temptation that we have ever experienced. And probably some of you are thinking in the back of your mind, well, no, Jesus never was tempted like I'm being tempted right now. Oh, yes, he was. Oh, yes, he was. It says he was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. I have come to appreciate this prayer very much this last week. What is prayer? Pray then like this. Our Father is a person. He's very personal to us. The word Father implies something. What does it imply? When you call somebody dad or you call someone father, what does it imply? Boy, I thought that was a simple question. <laughs> or just have I got you so scared about what kind of theology I'm gonna pull out of my bag that you're not what 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 does it imply when you, you call someone father? Our father is a person. In heaven, his position. Holy is your name. It's a praise, praised position that he is in. Holy is your name to be praised. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Powerful. He is powerful. You give us this day our daily bread. Our provision comes from you. And you forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That was the reason why Jesus came is to receive that debt to himself and the father knew it could only be paid once and once for all by the true sacrifice. That was his purpose. And you do not lead us into temptation but you deliver us from evil. That was his plan. That was the plan of all ages from Genesis to even before Genesis throughout all of Scripture. That is the plan. Some men, after the King James Bible was printed, looked around and they said, wait a minute, This prayer is lacking punch. It it needs to be improved. And so I don't know who they were. I tried to find out who all those people were way back when. But they added in there, and you've probably been asking now when I've shown a couple of slides already about this prayer, that that last statement, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Where did that come from? It wasn't in the original. It was added after the King James Bible. And it was taken from 1 Chronicles 29.11 and adapted to this prayer. And some Bibles have that, some don't. What is prayer? It's a personal relationship with our Father. That's what prayer is. Some of you, many of you, too many of you are on Facebook. And, you know, I slam Facebook all the time, don't I? But really, what are we looking for as human beings? We're looking for a relationship. People are looking for a relationship. What does that tell us about God? He's personal, He's interested in personal relationships. And bless you, every one of you. I, this is a honest statement from your sometimes not honest pastor. But I applaud you for being on Facebook. There are needy people out there that you can reach out to. Anyway, God is a personal God. He's interested in reaching out to all of us. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. You can tell something about the parents by watching the kids. Are you God's kid? Somebody's watching. And it reflects on your Father. Jesus is now with the Father at the right hand as our advocate. Here's something I discovered at ICF just a few weeks ago John 16 25 27. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. Did you understand that sentence? I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. What? 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 Jesus is saying he's not going to ask the Father on our behalf. What? That just blows. It blew my mind. What does that sentence mean? Do you know what it means? Jesus will not ask the Father on our behalf. Why? Because he's introduced us to the Father already. And we have, in the name of Jesus, full access to the throne of God, our Father. He is our Father who art in heaven. That's the reality of what Jesus was saying. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Please, please hear my prayer. No. No. We can go directly to the Father in the name of the Son because of what the Son has done for us. Because He's given us a relationship with the Father. Think about that this week. Think about that. Does that mean something to you in your relationship as a Christian with God? God the Father. He is your Father. And as your Father, come in His name and say, Father, I've really been struggling this week. I need your help. Father, this friend of mine, I'm concerned about her or him. Would you reveal yourself to him? Help me to speak the words that he will understand who you are and that you care and you've given yourself for him. Father. Father. Be careful. Be careful here, particularly in Japan, of just using the name God. God being translated into Japanese is so not understood. Kami. Kami-sama. Call him father. Call him father. Make a habit of it because that is who you are going to through Jesus Christ. You have direct access to the God, the father of heaven. Wow. What I did in this outline, and I'll just go real quickly, and you you can do it as well. Pick out the verses in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and see how many times they refer to Father, 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 Father. He is your personal Father. Acknowledging his position in heaven. Where is he? Where is our father? Where is our father? He's on the throne in heaven. He's in heaven. That's a long way away. No, not for him. He created this ball that we're standing on. And he can reach out and do whatever he he needs to because he's in heaven. Viewing, He's above all; it's His position. And not only that, He's inside of us. The Father of Heaven has instilled in me the DNA that I need as the son of the Father. The spiritual DNA. Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Well, that's sure easy to say about me. You could probably say, what Ron is doing are good works, but they're not him. It's his Father in heaven. I wish people would say that more often about me and you. And then agreeing with our Father's name to be praised and not profaned. You know, today, in our day and age, Facebook and FaceTime and TV and just multi multimedia, there's a name that is being used and it's on our lips sometimes. OMG. You hear it all the time. Don't take his name in vain. Be careful. Erase that. Ask the Holy Spirit to erase it from your vocabulary. We want to praise his name. His name is above all names. It's not to be profaned. Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You're just like your dad. Wow, I hope somebody says that to me. You're just like your dad, your father in heaven. What is prayer? Affirming our father's kingdom and will has power on the earth. And when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others. So easy for us to draw attention to ourselves, isn't it? But we want to affirm where our power, where our life, where our strength comes from. He's the all-powerful one. His kingdom and his will are at work on the earth. Wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What is prayer? Knowing the Father brings provision. You give us this day our daily bread. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. You know that that particular Verse, your father knows what you need before you ask. When does that come in that Sermon of the Mount? Well, you see the reference there, so you can kind of guess where it fits in the Sermon on the Mount. It's right before, right before what we call the Lord's Prayer. So he's saying, your father knows what you need before you ask. And that's one of the reasons why Katie and I were able to take the liberty and say, you know, you give us what we need, our daily bread. That's why we were so bold to do that, as we had that reference just before that prayer. Take your Bible and rever the words that are there. Don't abuse what I'm talking about right now. Hold them as holy. But yet, bring yourself to a place of putting yourself right into the words and the meaning. Applying it to yourself. I encourage you to do that. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Does that mean that I don't ask? No. We're not saying you can't ask anything in prayer. That's not what we're saying here. Because God knows. But you know, sometimes what happens in your family is... If you're just a, a new uh, driver, your dad has the keys, and you go to him and say, Dad, can I have the keys to the car? And he says, Why? What are you going to do? Well, I want to go over to my friend's house across town. <laughs> you're not going on the dori. Uh, uh, that's too busy at this time of the day. No, you can't. Or, yeah, it's uh, another time when you ask, He'll say, oh, it's okay. It's after hours and kichijoji dori. I like saying that word, by the way. You've noticed that before, right? It's not that busy right now. So, yeah, here's the keys. We have to ask sometimes. Pass the salt. What's pass the salt? The pepper. Well, you know, we're talking about American etiquette and, and protocol. We're counting on the Father's purpose. What is the Father's purpose? What is his drive? What is behind the Father? And you forgive us our debts as we also forgive. In Matthew 7, after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. With the measure you use it, will be measured to you. Beware of false prophets. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. That's all in the same passage. And you hear it so many times. Don't judge, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. But we're not the judge. We're not the judge. But if somebody is doing something, harming some brother or sister by what they're teaching or or acting or whatever, and we see that they've got a mean spirit about them, we're not judging. What we're doing is we see this fruit of your words that are not appropriate. You're hurting somebody. You're hurting people. You need to watch your words, brother, sister. That's just discerning the fruit of what you see. Be aware of false prophets. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And we need to be discerning, particularly in the body of Christ and particularly in the Christian community today. There is a lot of misinformation in Christian media today. And we need to be watching. What is the fruit of this? Where does this lead? What will this be? lead to in the church. Let's be discerning, not judgmental. Who is it that sends a person to prison? It's not the person who's accusing them. It's the judge who says, you are sentenced to so many days in prison. We're not the judge. God is the judge. He's the one. We're just observing the fruit. And when we're concerned about the body of Christ, we need to speak up. And we need to go in love and concern to that person and be honest. And then finally, trusting the Father to reveal his plan. You do not lead us into temptation. And here's a story that Jesus tells just before he ends the Sermon on the Mount. It's about a wise man and a foolish man. And he says that the wise man built his house upon a rock. And when the winds and the rain and the waves came, the house stood firm on the rock. What does that speak to me? Of the Father's plan. He desires that our lives be built on the rock. Christ Jesus. That we're firmly grounded in Jesus and his word. And so that when things come at us from here, this side and that side and the other, and seeks to undermine our foundation, we are firmly planted, firmly fixed on the rock. And that's what we desire for every one of you. That we be firmly, firmly founded on the rock. Father, we thank you that you are the one who is looking on. You've done all you could to redeem us and bring us to yourself. And you show yourself to be a true father. We thank you We thank you from the bottom of our hearts for what you've given us. We give you praise and thanksgiving. In the name of your dear son, Jesus, amen.